This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. A video of the talk is also available along with more downloads at our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. So the meaning behind the hymn Abide With Me, um, well I thought initially I was just going to uh, read the verses for myself and um, put my interpretation and explanation on them using uh, the most apposite and appropriate bits of scripture. But then I thought, well, um, how, do, how does that tally with the uh, intention of the hymn writer? How do I know that that uh, tallies with the intention of the hymn writer? Because um, if we're talking about the meaning behind the hymn, it's all very well for me to, to say, to explain it in my way, but, but what did he mean by it? Um, so, slightly unconventionally, maybe, um, we're going to have a little look at um, the experience of uh, William Francis Light, uh, sorry, Henry Francis Light, um, and uh, see the context in which he wrote it. So bear with me just uh, for a few minutes while I read off, uh, off, off my phone screen. The author of the hymn, Henry Francis Light, was an Anglican priest and vicar of All Saints Church in Brixham, England. He was also a published poet and accomplished hymn writer who also penned Jesus I My Cross Have Taken, which I confess I'm not familiar with, and Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven, which we're very familiar with. For most of his life, Light suffered from poor health and he would regularly travel abroad for relief, as was the tradition in that day. Nevertheless, he developed tuberculosis and, at the age of 54, came near to the end of his life. His daughter, Anna Maria Maxwell Hogg, recounts the story of how Abide With Me came out of that context. And she writes thus, The summer was passing away, and the month of September, that month in which he was once more to quit his native land, arrived, and each day seemed to have a special value as being one day nearer his departure. His family were surprised and almost alarmed at his announcing his intention of preaching once more to his people. His weakness and the possible danger attending the effort were urged to prevent it, but in vain. It was better, as he used to say, often playfully when in comparative health, to wear out than to rust out. He felt that he should be enabled to fulfil his wish and feared not for the result. His expectation was well founded. He did preach and amid the breathless attention of his hearers gave them a sermon on the Holy Communion. In the evening of the same day, he placed in the hands of a near and dear relative the little hymn, Abide With Me, with an air of his own composing, adapted to the words. Now, the, the air that we use is by a man called Monk, and uh, that, that's, I'm, I'm guessing, the, the one that's most popularly used still, although there are more recent adaptations. Just weeks later, while on holiday in Nice, France, uh, Henry Light um, departed this life. It was November the 20th, 1847. Um, abide with me, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. They were the words that uh, struck him as he, as he sat to, or lay probably, 
to compose this hymn and they are of course words that are included in our opening reading. Um, the words of those disciples who uh, did not at that point realise that they were talking to their risen Lord because they were being held from recognising him uh, they enjoined him to stay with them it was Middle Eastern hospitality but they were also fascinated by his words and they wanted to hear more of his exposition how starting with the, the prophets and the law he, the Lord Jesus was able to enfold to them how the events that had befallen him had to be that he would be taken by wicked and cruel hands and put to death on the third day would rise again to a glorious new life and be the first fruits as we read elsewhere of them that slept I think also to do justice to uh, Henry Light um, I'll, I'll read you some of, I, I, I dare say some of these verses are omitted for brevity's sake but the, the full version as I see it uh, here through the wonders of the internet are um, uh, one or two additional verses. Abide with me, fast falls the eventide. The darkness deepens, Lord with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, oh abide with me. Swift to its close ebbs out life's little day. Earth's joys grow dim, its glories pass away. Change and decay in all around I see. O thou who changest not, abide with me. Not a brief glance I beg, a passing word, but as thou dwellst with thy disciples, Lord. Familiar, condescending, patient, free. Come not to sojourn, but abide with me. Come not in terrors as the King of Kings, but kind and good, with healing in thy wings. Tears for all woes, a heart for every plea. Come, friend of sinners, and thus bide with me. Thou on my head in early youth did smile, and though rebellious and perverse meanwhile, thou hast not left me, oft as I left thee. On to the close, O Lord, abide with me. I need thy presence every passing hour, what but thy grace can foil the tempter's power, who like thyself my guide and stay can be, through cloud and sunshine, Lord, abide with me. I fear no foe with thee at hand to bless, ills have no weight and tears no bitterness, where is death's sting, where grave thy victory, I triumph still if thou abide with me. Hold thou thy cross, before my closing eyes shine through the gloom and point me to the skies heaven's morning breaks and earth's vain shadows flee in life, in death O Lord, abide with me now I suppose it's only fair to point out that probably one of the reasons we as Christadelphians don't sing that final verse is that it seems to be indicating a belief in uh, in heaven going doesn't need to believe, doesn't need to signify that if we don't want it to it just means help us look heavenwards lord hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes ever keep before me your sacrifice lord 
so that that should be my motivating force in life shine through the gloom and point me to the skies light my darkness and keep my eyes fixed on you heaven's morning breaks and earth's vain shadows flee in life in death O Lord abide with me so this pen uh, this this poem was penned was was motivated by a man who was facing uh, very imminently the the prospect of his uh, leaving this mortal life I shudder at the thought that there are those who think his his views other than ours will disqualify him from a place in the kingdom in whatever form he so earnestly yearned for but we'll not get caught up in that particular debate so abide with me fast falls the eventide the darkness deepens Lord with me abide the, um, the disciples said night is falling stay with us we want to hear more we want to be with you longer they had come into the light and they rejoiced at being in the light there are those who want to stay in the darkness the gospel writer John writes of those who prefer the darkness to the light in the beginning was the word the word was with God and the word was God he existed in the beginning with God God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him so the Lord Jesus was in the purpose and the mind of God from the very day of creation the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone in, in Jesus it makes sense the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it, extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And so John the Baptist had as his mission the foretelling, the foretelling of the one who would come. Later, in a very famous passage, John writes, For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal or everlasting life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world but people loved the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light 
so others can see that they are doing what God wants. So we we can lament the darkness that is around us in so many ways but we can be thankful we can rejoice that we have been called into the light and as we were saying earlier it thus becomes our duty to be light in what is so often a darkened generation both in terms of its actions and its understandings and perceptions there's a very brief verse in the Proverbs that talks about there is a friend that stays closer than a brother that's the Lord Jesus that's the one whose companionship whose fellowship we need day by day when other helpers fail and comforts flee help of the helpless oh abide with me swift to its close ebbs out life's little day earth's joys grow dim its glories pass away one of the possibly I don't know in terms of his being in the ancient world possibly one of the richest men who ever lived was uh, King Solomon and if uh, as is almost certain the, the book of Ecclesiastes was uh, was written by him possibly with uh, the guidance and input from others if Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon then um, he had cause to reflect on all that he had had all that he had enjoyed all that he had allowed himself pleasure from and how ultimately it hadn't really brought him a great deal of happiness And so Solomon, when he was looking back over all his blessings and benefits, was caused to reflect on the fact that without God in his life, there was really very little point to it. Um, it's quite a long passage, but it's, 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 it's just an instruction to, to remember God while we have the capacity to think about his greatness and what he has done before that faculty leaves us Re uh, reading from the passage towards the end of Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 7 light is sweet how pleasant to see a new day dawning when people live to be very old let them rejoice in every day of life that's a uh, that's a fair old challenge there, isn't it? But let them also remember that there will be many dark days. Everything still to come is meaningless. Young people, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to. Take it all in. But this is the New Living Translation, so apologies if it sounds a bit fresh. But remember that you must give an account to God for everything you do. So refuse to worry and keep your body healthy. But remember that youth with a whole life before you is meaningless. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. 
Honour him in your youth before you grow old and say life is not pleasant anymore. Remember him before the light of the sun, moon and stars is dim to your old eyes and rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house, start to tremble and before your shoulders, the strong men, stoop. Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants, stop grinding and before your eyes, the women looking through the windows see dimly. Remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds will grow faint. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets, before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom and you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper and the caperberry no longer inspires desire. Remember him before you near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Yes, remember your creator now while you are young, before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. For then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Change and decay in all around I see. O thou who changest not, abide with me. Change and decay is part of the natural created order. It's meant to be there. On one level at least. If it weren't for uh, decay, if it weren't for decomposition then actually there would, there would be no life because it's an essential part of, of creating uh, nutrients uh, and of the world not filling up with rubbish. Talking of which, we are filling up the world with rubbish. And those who campaign on environmental grounds are often viewed in certain quarters as um, wasting their time because all of these things will be put right when the Lord Jesus returns well I haven't written it down and I couldn't tell you exactly where it is but I'm sure you'll know where it is there's a verse in Revelation that talks about destroying those who destroy the earth and those who are careless those who do not regard our stewardship of this earth as being of vital importance for however many generations may yet come Their level of apathy, I think, is helping to destroy the earth. God forbid that we should be so casual in our view of stewardship of the earth. So change and decay in all around I see in a fallen tree that breaks down and the microbes and the little insects can use it as... Uh, as a habitat and they help to break it down further and it's, it's part of the miracle of creation but not the change and decay that the writer is writing about is it? he's talking about the breakdown of the order of things that he's learned to know and trust maybe of, of society maybe of, of a trust in God and as that breakdown breaks down and as society breaks down and as belief in God in the right sense 
in the right way breaks down, then we are looking at the days of Noah, about which the Lord Jesus warned his followers as it was in the days of Noah. Had it not been for God's intervention in the days of Noah, there would have been nowhere for the righteous to go. They were going to be outnumbered, they were going to be overwhelmed by those who had no trust, those who had no fear of God. Those who would not have their moral code set by an external force, but who acted as they chose. And those are the days, maybe, that light could see coming. And those are the days that the Lord Jesus warned his disciples would come. I need thy presence every passing hour. What but thy grace can foil the tempter's power? Temptation will come into all our lives. The Apostle Paul tackles the perverse suggestion that it's, it's God who made me, it's God who tempts me, therefore when I sin it's God's fault. Which is turning it on its head. When, when tempted it's, it's, it's God, God's help. And the Lord Jesus' example and help that we need to turn to, that we need to appeal to, to help us to resist temptation, not fold to it and then shrug and say, that's the way God made me. Don't put God and the Lord Jesus to the test. Paul writes to the Corinthians, these things happened to them, the people of Israel, as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age, 2,000 years ago. They thought it was the end of the age. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. They're actually no different from what the Lord Jesus experienced. He didn't shrug and say, that's the way you made me, Father. He resisted the temptation prayerfully and faithfully. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. James, the brother of Jesus, didn't believe in his brother. The gospel records testify to that fact during the mission the earthly mission and life of, of, of the Lord Jesus his, his brothers, sisters, family didn't understand what he was about didn't accept what he was doing and yet James came to be a faithful disciple And he writes in his first uh, chapter of his, uh, of his letter to the believers. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. 
God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions and when sin is allowed to grow it gives birth to death. So don't be misled my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word and we out of all creation became his prized possession. He's given you this understanding, he's given you this word for you to look into, for you to understand and for you to see the wonders that it contains. And when you are tempted Seek his help and his guidance in resisting that temptation. I fear no foe with thee at hand to bless. Ills have no weight and tears no bitterness. Where is death's sting? Where grave thy victory? I triumph still if thou abide with me. And no doubt at all as to where... Henry Light was, was thinking of when he wrote those words because Paul's first letter to the Corinthians contains a, a mighty powerful evocation of the, of the resurrection of the dead the hope that is held out to all who put their trust in the Lord God and, and the the saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before, writes Paul in the 15th chapter of the first letter to the Corinthians. You welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. I passed on to you what was most important, what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. And then he goes on to explain the, the appearances by Jesus to his disciples and to many others. And talks about Christ being just the first example of resurrection from the dead the first fruits but tell me this since we preach that Christ rose from the dead why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead for if there is no resurrection of the dead then Christ has not been raised either and if Christ has not been raised then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God. For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true. If there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead. Then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised. Then your faith is useless. And you are still guilty of your sins. In that case. All who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life. We are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. 
and he goes on to explain how the resurrection body needs to be conferred upon those even though they have lain and rotted away in the grave they will be given their resurrection body at the return of the Lord Jesus and the establishment of the kingdom then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die this scripture will be fulfilled death is swallowed up in victory oh death where is your victory oh death where is your sting for sin is the sting that results in death and the law gives sin its power but thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, videos, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website ormskirtchristadelphians.org.uk